know about you, but I feel a fresh sense of motivation at the beginning of the year. There's a sense of like, uh, 2021 is gone, 2022 is here, there's new opportunities, there's a sense of a fresh start in a sense, like, in, in, in a sense of like, God, what do you have this year for me, for my family, for our church? And, and typically this time of year, I spend some time reflecting on kind of how I did this past year, how the year went, ups, highs and lows, or, and then, and then kind of vision for this year. Like what, what does God want to do? What, what does he put in my heart to, to pursue this year? And, and oftentimes I'll write down, um, goals or resolutions and, and I'm motivated to organize and to plan and to, to discipline myself, uh, to exercise, to start new habits. Anybody else uh, have some of those ambitions for 2022? You have some goals, some resolutions, some aims that you're excited about, maybe something new or maybe something that you've been doing that you just get to do again, like read through the Bible again. Um, or, um, you know, start, start something, start a new job position or start a new uh, discipline. Well, I would like for us, as we are entering into this new year on January 2nd, 2022, to ride the wave of that motivation that we feel to establish good habits, healthy habits, and, and to, to put off bad habits. Now, I know that there's many gyms that, that fill up at the beginning of the year, if like folks just start piling in the gym. Uh, and then come January, you know, it's died down, like motivation has, has, uh, waned. Uh, and so there's a lot of goals and resolutions that we can make that, that may be unrealistic or, or maybe not, aren't rooted and are influenced by God's leading in our lives. And so what I'd like to do in this short sermon series that we're going to start the year off is, is highlight some of the habits of grace that God calls his people to walk in. Um, habits of grace that are, that are, um, energized by God's grace, that are means of grace for you and I as Christians, as we practice what's traditionally called spiritual disciplines and spend time taking in the Bible, spend time, uh, in prayer, spend time in community, spend time, um, as, as we're gonna look at today, fasting. Going hungry for God. Um, I preached on this a few years ago. Uh, and this has been a spiritual uh, practice and, and discipline that I have incorporated in my life from early on in my walk with the Lord. And I've seen great spiritual progress as a result of it. And as I started thinking throughout history, and I think, and I've thought about people in my own life who have influenced me the most, pretty much all of them have practiced this spiritual discipline we call fasting. Uh, you, when you read through the Bible, you look at people, uh, like Moses, who, I mean, he fasted 40 days, Elijah, 40 days, uh, Nehemiah, Ezra, Esther, men and women in the Bible, who gave up food because they had a an ache and a hunger that was greater than just getting some bread rolls, right? And so, um, so our big idea, I've titled this message, Going Hungry for God. And we're going to look at three different passages in Matthew um, of Jesus practicing fasting, of Jesus teaching on fasting, 
And then we're going to look at what fasting is and why we as Christians are to engage in this practice of, of fasting, of giving up meals. Um, and then of course we're going to, uh, this, this week, uh, at sundown, we're gonna, we're gonna spend, uh, three days engaging in the spiritual discipline called fasting. Um, let me pray and we'll, we'll dig in together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for hope, for vision, for purpose. And Father, as we enter into this new year with a fresh motivation, excitement, anticipation for what you have for us, or or some of us may be entering into this new year, God, with discouragement about last year, um, pain from last year, regret. Lord, would you move us onto your agenda? Would you help us to see uh, your will and perceive your will for us? And, and may we delight in doing your will. May we become more Christ-centered in 2022. May we get to know Jesus more in 2022. And would you speak to us this morning? Speak to our hearts Help us to hear what you have for each of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. And how many of y'all have ever heard a sermon on fasting or a teaching on fasting? That is maybe half, I guess, in here. Okay. Um, well, good, good. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. So here's our big idea. We're going to uh, look at Matthew 4. Um, fasting is an important practice for Christians that has desirable benefits. It's an important practice for Christians that has desirable benefits. Now, there are some Christians who would argue that fasting has no place uh, for the Christians who are alive today. Um, Some people make that argument, and I want to push back on that and highlight the life of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus as we we look at that. First, let's look at Matthew chapter 4. If you you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And it says that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. 
All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so here's a great place to start as we're talking about fasting. First and foremost, Jesus himself fasted. Now, throughout the Old Testament, it was a practice. Um, in, in, in desperate times, the people of God would give up food for the purpose of seeking God in prayer and crying out for God's help, crying out for God's deliverance. And then we get to the New Testament and we see Jesus after he was baptized by John the Baptist, before he started his public ministry, he gets this divine affirmation from heaven. This is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. And then it says that the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. So Jesus has this awesome experience where the father thunders from heaven. This is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. Right. John the Baptist, one of the greatest prophets in in the present time, is baptizing Jesus. So he has this powerful moment and then he goes into the wilderness instead of like, hey, here I am, everybody. Like he, he goes in isolation, in obscurity for 40 days and 40 nights. And he's going he's there and he's and he's tempted by the devil. And so the first thing I want to point out is that he he fasted and he got hungry. Okay, Jesus, the son of God, humbled himself in taking on humanity. Okay, and then he 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 allowed himself to experience hunger. Where his stomach felt hunger pains. And in that moment of vulnerability of being hungry, he was tempted after 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, I think that's quite an understatement. He was hungry. I think you would be, you and I would be very hungry, uh, if we had not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. And then, then he was tempted. Then Satan shows up and tries to get him to use his divine power to make some bread. To use his, his ability to just speak bread into existence. And what does the Son of God do? What does Jesus do in that moment of temptation and in that moment of testing? He relies upon the truth of Scripture. He pulls out the sword of the Spirit. And he said, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is given a recap of the wilderness experience that the Israelites went through for 40 years. God led them into the wilderness to test them, to teach them that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. To, to humble them is what Deuteronomy 8 says. And Israel, in those 40 years, they failed the test over and over. When they were tempted, they failed. They disobeyed God and they rebelled against God. And here comes Jesus, the sinless son of God. And he's led by the spirit of God into the wilderness. And he's tested, but he doesn't fail the test. He passed each one of the tests that were presented to him when he was hungry. When he was tempted. 
And he did it by quoting and standing on the word of God, using the authority of scripture. It is written. And he fought with the scripture against the temptation of Satan. And each time he quoted the word. Um, a couple things here to point out. One is that fasting is an expression of hunger for something more than bread rolls, chicken nuggets, cereal, tacos, steak, broccoli, cheddar casserole, or you name whatever your delicious food is that you hunger for. Man does popcorn. But ice cream, man doesn't live by popcorn alone, but he lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see, bread and food is to, to point us to the bread of life, the one who truly satisfies us. And all the food that we do have, the physical food that we enjoy is a gift from the, the gracious hand of God who opens his hand and he satisfies the desire of every living thing. He gives food to everyone alive and everyone who lives. And that's an aspect of God's goodness to us. And fasting is, is a way of, of expressing hunger for something more than just that food, that physical food that we get to enjoy. And, and, and with it was, when Jesus fasted, it was accompanied by test. It was accompanied by temptation. There was, there was a, a struggle. And Jesus passed the test. And let me just say this, because I think this is really important. As, as anybody here engages in fasting, um, there's been a number of times when I've, I've done corporate fast and I've done personal fast. And there's been a number of times where I just didn't I didn't meet what I was aiming for. I didn't, I didn't fast as long as I was aiming, aiming for. And I, and I failed and I felt discouraged about that. And, and let me just point out this. Jesus passed every test and temptation that he experienced. And you and I who are in Christ get his 100% of righteousness over our lives imparted, accounted to us as a free gift from God. We get Jesus' righteousness through faith. And so we don't fast to try to earn righteousness or favor with God. We already have that. Okay? We already have the Father's pleasure and delight over us. But we fast as an expression of hunger for God. And we'll look at some more, more purposes um, in that. Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, says that fasting, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Christ. We cover up what is inside of us with food and other things. Okay? Now, our, our appetite for food is a strong appetite. It's one of the strongest cravings and appetites that we all have, right? We, we long for food. You go, you miss a meal or you miss two meals, you start getting hunger pains and you want some food. And, and fasting has a way of exposing those things that control our lives. Like, and oftentimes food. Food is one of those things where we have unhealthy habits. We're just coming off of a season of feasting and feasting is great. 
We should feast well to the glory of God and enjoy the gift of food, especially over the holiday seasons, and, and celebrate the, the bounty of God's goodness towards us. He's glorified when we do that, when we enjoy the food that he's given us for his glory. We eat and we drink for the glory of God. Okay, but after this, a time of, of feasting, it always seems appropriate to me this time of year after Thanksgiving, after Christmas, after um, pumpkin pie and after eggnog and after pecan pie and turkey and lasagna and all the good meals that we get to eat that I get to eat. My family gets to eat during the holidays. It's appropriate and fitting for me to spend some time missing some meals so I can feast on the, the greater meal of the bread of life so I can feast on on God so that I can put my appetite in check so that it's not controlling me and dominating what I do and where I spend my time. You see food can often be a distraction to us. And we live in a in an American culture uh restaurants make a lot of money and and, and many Americans tend to overindulge in food. Gluttony is is a significant sin uh, within the American culture, we tend to overdo it. And one of the fruits described by the, that when we're being led by the Holy Spirit is that of, of self-control. And fasting is a way for us to exercise self-control over our appetites. So we see that Jesus fasted. We see in the Old Testament, a number of Old Testament folks fasted. We see in the New Testament, the early church fasted. Okay, The early church continued that practice. In, in Acts, the book of Acts, we see them fasting in Acts chapter 13, in Acts chapter 14. Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians fasting. It was a practice in his life. Um, and so Jesus taught on it because just like any, any spiritual discipline, any, any, any religious practice, it can be misused. Okay, there are dangers with fasting and just just like any any other uh, spiritual disciplines. So in Matthew chapter six, Jesus was correcting a misuse and a mispractice of of, of fasting. In Matthew chapter six sixteen, he says, "When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward." But when you fast, anoint your head with oil, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Amen. And so Jesus in this context, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about, he talks about three different um, spiritual disciplines, giving, praying, and fasting. Okay, and now the religious folks did, did this. The Pharisees did this, and world religions do this. There are plenty of non-Christians who practice fasting, who practice some kind of spiritual disciplines, religious disciplines that are similar to what we practice as Christians. Okay, but Jesus taught the why behind and how Christians are to do that. Now, notice he didn't say if you fast. Okay. He didn't say if you if you fast, he's teaching his disciples here. He said when. Okay? So the implication in that is that fasting is expected for disciples of Jesus. It's expected. 
Now he's not, he's not giving an, an explicit command here, but he says, when, when you fast, okay? He says, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. In other words, don't put on a show. Don't put on a show when, when, when you fast. Don't look miserable to try to get attention to yourself of, of how, how hard it is, um, when you're fasting. Now there's different kinds of fast in the Bible. Um, you know, there, there, uh, there's obviously private fast and, and, and our fasting should be as unto God and not unto man. But there's also congregational fast, like in Acts 13 and Acts 14, where the church is fasting, uh, together, I believe at the beginning of Acts as well. Uh, in the Old Testament, there were a number of times where there was a national fast, where there's this corporate fast, where, you know, Esther's like, don't eat anything. Queen Esther calls a fast because the, the, the annihilation of the Jews, there was a, there was a threat of the Jews being killed. And so there's this national fast. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And fasting is a way to intensify one's prayers and one's focus on God to cry out to him for help. And so fasting is expected for disciples of Jesus. Um, also, fasting is to be done unto God and not unto man. For the purpose of doing it as unto God. So that the God's eyes will see. Um, not, not unto man. Otherwise, if what, if we're, if we're missing meals to appear spiritual to other people, to gain their approval, to gain their respect, to gain their, their, you know, um, uh, their affirmation, then we get our reward in, in that affirmation from people. Jesus says that's, that's what the religious leaders were doing. They, they were getting the reward in other people seeing that they were fasters. Um, two times a week, uh, was a common, common practice. Um, which by the way, um, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, he called the Methodists, the, the Methodist Church to participate in weekly fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays. John Wesley. And you know what? John Wesley wouldn't even ordain a Methodist minister unless they did that, unless they participated in that. Um, the reformers, John Calvin, uh, Martin Luther, those guys fasted throughout history. You see a number of people who engaged in the spiritual discipline. So nevertheless, it should be done as unto God, not unto man. And, and next, fasting has rewards with it. There's benefits of doing this. There's benefits of giving up meals. Uh, Jesus even said it. He said, and, and when you, when you fast, um, he says, your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who is in secret, who sees in secret will reward you openly. When, when we're fasting unto God for his eyes, he will reward that. Right now, I think it can be real, really hard. There's a lot of difficulties that come with fasting. Um, you know, one of them is you just get weak. You just straight up get weak and you feel, you feel tired, physically tired. And, and we have to embrace that. Fasting is embracing our weakness so that God can meet us with his strength 
and meet us with his grace. Uh, we get irritable. We get hangry uh, when we fast. You know, when you miss a meal or two. Like, um, <clears throat> and, and we have to put our appetites in check. And we got to put ourselves in check. We get tired. Uh, we get weak. And, and, and it can be hard to focus. So there's a number of difficulties. Let's talk about what is fasting, first of all. Let's define it. And then let's look at some biblical purposes for fasting. Fasting is a believer's voluntarily voluntary absence from food for spiritual purposes. Okay? Fasting is a believer's voluntary absence from food for spiritual purposes. When the Bible talks about fasting, it talks about abstaining from food. Uh, now there's some where, like, like Moses who abstained from food and water for 40 days. That's been referred to as a supernatural fast. I wouldn't recommend trying to do that. Uh, I wouldn't recommend trying to go without water for more than three days. Jesus, it, it, it seems that Jesus at least had something to drink because it didn't say he didn't have anything to drink. It says that he didn't have any food and he was hungry. It didn't say he was thirsty. Um, and so Jesus went 40 days without food. That's described as a normal fast, uh, just a normal biblical fast, just to go without food. Daniel uh, chose to only eat fruits and vegetables for, for 21 days and he turned out being more healthy than, than some of his contemporaries. And that's described as a partial fast. Uh, <clears throat> Don Whitney in his book, Spiritual Discipline, says that fasting can be an expression of finding your greatest pleasure and enjoyment in life from God. It can be an expression of finding your greatest pleasure and enjoyment in life from God. John Piper in his book, Hunger for God, uh, which I highly recommend. He has some really great things to say about fasting. He says, fasting is saying this much, oh God, I want you. This is the essence of Christian fasting. We ache and we yearn and fast to know more and more of all that God is for us in Jesus, but only because he has already laid a hold of us and is drawing us ever forward and upward into all the fullness of God. I love this. Fasting, the essence of it is, is saying, is saying this much, oh God, I want you. We ache and we yearn for God. How much do you want God this year, saints? How, how much do you long for God to show up and meet you? And, and show up in your prayer times and show up in, in your, your Bible reading times and, 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 and show up and move in power. Fasting is a means of grace for Christians. There's also dangers, as I mentioned earlier, there's dangers of pride, spiritual pride, um, pride in our self mastery and, and perceived spirituality, right? Um, like the, the religious Guy in, in Luke uh, eighteen twelve, who, you know, his he had trusted in himself that he was righteous. He fasted two times a week. He tithed. He he was he practiced giving. He practiced fasting, and he despised others like this tax collector that was praying with him. And he's like, God, thank you. He was like 
reading, he was saying his credentials to God and then looking down upon this tax collector who was beating on his chest, just saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, you know who went away justified? Not that, not that, ta- not the, uh, the religious guy who was self-righteous, but the, the tax collector who was looking to God for mercy and faith. And so pride, spiritual pride and self-righteousness is a, is a danger of, of giving up some meals, uh, fasting. Legalism, perceiving, uh, that, that you can earn God's favor or add to your status before God. There's been a number of times where God has revealed and con- confronted my legalistic heart in my fasting. Um, I've shared this story before. I was doing a, it was, it was supposed to be a 10 day fast, a corporate fast with, with, uh, another church. And I made it to day four. And on day four, we had just got done doing children's ministry. And a friend of mine handed me a bag of Cheetos. And I didn't even think about it. I just like, just started eating the Cheetos. And I broke my fast. And I felt terrible. I felt condemned. I was like, man, I'm such a terrible Christian. I can't even, you know, I can't even, you know, go 10 days without, you know, breaking the fast. And, and I felt unworthy to, to go to the, the corporate worship gathering um, that the next evening because I had broke the fast and, and God just confronted my legalistic tendencies in that moment. Uh, and there's been a number of times that that has happened when, when I start, I start thinking and feeling like God doesn't like me as much or love me as much because I didn't keep fasting. That's legalism. That's a distortion of who God is and a distortion of Christianity. Now, now others go, go to other extremes and they just kind of throw out fasting altogether and they just stay away from it because it, it, it's it's too it's because of the dangers of legalism and because of asceticism and and a number of other religions who practice fasting and they're really good at it but they do it without god without the one true god um and so legalism is is another danger recognition from others getting praise from other people is another one um and there's and again there's difficulties too you get you get irritable you get tired. Uh, sometimes it can be harder to focus on your work. Um, sometimes lightheaded, you know, when you, when you're sitting down and, and you stand up and you haven't eaten in a few days, you get a head rush. And so you gotta like take it slow. You know, there's things like that that happen to your body. But there's also benefits. There's physical benefits that, that occur, uh, in fasting. Like your body detoxes. And you get more energy and your taste buds, uh, can seem to operate a little bit better. Like when we're just, just taking in too much food all the time, like we tend, I, I know me personally can tend to, to lose the, 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 um, the heightened sense of taste. And, and, and when I, when I give up a, some meals and then I eat those next meals, it's like, man, this is so good. I just love this food or this next, that next cup of coffee. If I haven't had coffee for, for three days and I drank that next cup of coffee, it's like, this is so good. This was worth it. Uh, But that's not why, why I fast, right? It's it's spiritual purposes, but there's physical benefits, of course, right? Um, Okay. So in Matthew chapter nine, so here's a passage that some would, would would point to as, you know, as a reason for, for not fasting. But others like Piper and Richard Foster and Arthur Wallace, um, would say, this is one of the greatest arguments. Don, Don Whitney, this is one of the greatest arguments for Christian fasting right here in what Jesus said 
in Matthew chapter 9. Now let's look at it. Then, then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth or an old garment um, from the patch and tears away. No one puts a, a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. It is, if it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed, but new wine is put into fresh wineskins and both are preserved. So here's, here's what's going on here. Jesus gives a parable to answer their question. Like why, why are, why aren't you and your disciples fasting? Okay. Um, it seems like that's the most spiritual thing to do if you're really legit, right? Um, well, Jesus gives the parable that the, 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 the guests, the wedding guests don't fast when the bridegroom's with them. Jesus had the king showed up and he brought his kingdom on earth and was displaying kingdom power and was setting people free. And they, for three years, the disciples got to walk with King Jesus. The bridegroom was present with them. It was time for celebration and feasting, not fasting. But religious people are, tend to not be the best celebrators. They tend to be joy killers. And Jesus was feasting and leading his disciples and, and enjoying, uh, enjoying meals with even tax collectors and sinners. But he was, go, he was doing the will of God. He was, he was seeking first the kingdom of God. And, and so he was present. But he says... The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Okay, now some theologians would argue that it's, that was only like three or four days when Jesus died and when he was resurrected. Then that was that was the only time they're supposed to fast, which doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why Jesus would in Matthew 6 teach when you fast um, and give instructions on it. And the new, if, if that's the case... The book of Acts, the New Testament church must have missed the memo that they weren't supposed to be fasting anymore because they were, including Paul, because they continued the practice and, and throughout church history, spiritual giants who we know and respect must have totally missed the memo if that's the case. And so I think Jesus here is arguing for there. there is a time that's appropriate to fast. And I think he gives us some insight here that the, the essence and the heart of it, as Piper would say, is, 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 a, is a homesickness for God, for the presence of God, a longing for the presence of God. Now, yes, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit with us, and Jesus is with us, and he will be with us to the end of the age. But we live in this already, not yet. We're waiting. Jesus has come and he's going to come back. And we're waiting for the bridegroom to come back. We're waiting for the, the, the marriage feast. We're waiting for the day when the king returns. And it's appropriate for us to use the means of fasting to sharpen our affections 
for God, to sharpen our attention and our spiritual focus, to put our bodily appetites in check, and to say, God, I want you more than these chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A. I want you more than the comfort of this food that it's bringing to me right now. I want you. And, and the principle is when we make space for God, whether it's fasting or whether it's prayer or whether it's going on a mission trip, when we make space for God, God shows up and he honors that sacrifice and he meets us in that space. The, the spiritual principle is if we draw near to God, he draws near to us. When we make space for God in our lives, he shows up and he fills it. One of our problems, though, is our lives are so crowded and there's not proper margin and space for God. And we need to make room for him. We need to prepare the way for him. We need to give him our attention, give him our affections. Not like we're trying to earn favor from him or earn our love, earn love from him. We already have that. We already have the pleasure of the Father delighting over us in, 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 in who we are in Christ. We have the, this is my beloved son or daughter in whom I'm well pleased over our lives, those of us who are in Christ. But we, we hunger and we ache and we long for more of God to fill our lives, for the fullness of God to fill our lives and not let the distraction of good things Good things become dominant and control our lives. Piper says that Christian fasting at its root is the hunger, is the hunger of a homesickness for God. God, I long for you. I want you more. Here's a couple other guys. Martin Luther says of fasting, I say this, it is right to fast frequently in order to subdue and control the body. For when the stomach is full, the body does not serve for preaching, for praying, for studying, or for doing anything else that is good. Under such circumstances, God's word cannot remain. But one should not fast with a view to meriting something by it, by a good work. Calvin said, holy and lawful fasting has three objectives. We use it either to weaken and subdue the flesh that it may not act, act wantonly, or that we may be better prepared for prayers and holy meditations, or that it may be a testimony of our self-abasement before God when we wish to confess our guilt before him. Again, Piper says, the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. It is not the X-rated video, but primetime dribble of triviality we drink in every night. What's spoiling your appetite for God? What's, what's diminishing and taking away your hunger and your longing for God? Let's aim in 2022... To get rid of those things that are robbing us from our hunger for God. Let's make space for God. And, and fasting, but, but this, this is always coupled with prayer. Okay? Fasting, one of the points of fasting is to intensify prayer, to help us engage in prayer. We're not just dieting. Okay? We're not just, 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 for, fasting is not an end of itself. It's a means to an end. So that we can experience more of God filling our lives. So Donald Whitney gives 
10 great um, helpful purposes for for fasting in his book on spiritual disciplines. He has a chapter on fasting that I highly recommend. Um, the first one is is strengthening prayer. Okay? We see Ezra, we see in Joel there's this call to to repentance and returning to God with prayer and fasting. We see in the book of Acts they they fasted and they they worshiped and they prayed and God spoke and said send out Barnabas and and Paul. Um, Arthur Wallace in his book Chosen Fast um, says that fasting is is calculated to bring a note of urgency and importunity into our praying and to give force to our pleading in the court of heaven. The man who prays with fasting is giving heaven notice that he is truly in earnest. Not only so, but he is expressing his earnestness in a divinely appointed way. He is using a means that God has chosen to make his voice to be heard on high. Fasting is an intensifier of spiritual desire. Um, fasting is seeking for the purpose of seeking God's guidance. Um, you know, Brian and, and Karis shared earlier, I don't know if they, she mentioned this, but there was, there was a time where they and, and others joined in with a day of fasting for that decision. That was a part of it. Um, you know, that, that helps, that helps us focus in, in prayer. When you're making big decisions and you really need God's guidance and you just need to kind of clear the smoke, wash the windshield, fasting can kind of help us in, in making those decisions. Expressing grief. Okay. A spiritual purpose for fasting is expressing grief. In First Samuel and Second Samuel, it talks about uh, them grieving over the loss of lives. Um, and this also ties into um, grief over our sin, godly sorrow. As as a younger Christian, I remember at one point being so just disgusted with myself because of my my sin, and and I remember just like like hating my sin and just being disgusted, grieved over my sin. And I just like for one week, I was just like, I'm not going to eat. I'm going to seek God. I'm not going to let my appetites control me. My bodily appetites, my desire for food, sexual drive, or anything that would lead me astray from hungering for God and allowing him to have first place in my life. And I found that it was helpful in overcoming temptations and overcoming uh, sins that were that were hindering me as a as a young Christian. Fasting, giving up those meals and expressing expressing grief over sin. Uh, food has a way of kind of comforting us and, and, and it can kind of numb us. We can over overdo it and just eat lots of sweets and, and turn to that instead of to God for comfort and fasting. It helps us to, to walk through that grief process when we're aching and when we're in pain and we're longing for relief. Uh, seeking deliverance or protection is another one um, where there, there's this uh, corporate fast or national fast called and, and the Israelites see God show up as they as they sought his hand of deliverance. Expe- expressing repentance and returning to God. I already mentioned that. Uh, uh, Joel 2 is another another good example of that. Humbling oneself before God is another aspect of fasting. Um, Isaiah 58 talks about this. Um, God's chosen fast. Is it not a, a time to humble yourself? Um, 
Because when we fast, we're, we're voluntarily not eating what we're permitted to eat. We're, we're voluntarily saying, I'm not going to eat what I can eat right now. I have the right to eat and enjoy this food, but I long for something greater than what this food will give me immediately. I long for God to show up. I long for, for my, my focus on God to be greater. My, my prayer life to be more intense and more fervent alive. I, I long to hear from God more than I do to eat a sandwich. You know, Job said, I esteem your word more than my necessary food. Right? Man doesn't live by, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Which, by the way, um, if you don't have a plan for going through the Bible in 2022, I want to invite you. We have uh, some Bible reading plans back there, a five-day Bible reading plan. I want to invite you to participate in that if you want to join and have a, have a specific plan where you're journeying through the Bible. Let's do that together this year. Anybody who wants to join me, let's, let's go through the Bible together and commit and resolve. We're going to spend time in the Word of God and take it in and feed on it. This week, if you give up a meal or a couple meals, spend time taking in the Word of God. As you, as you have hunger pains, instead of going straight to that sandwich or the chips or whatever, go to the Word of God and feast on the Word of God and allow God's Word to nourish you. Um, be reminded too that there are people in the world who, who are, don't have the option to enjoy food like you do. Be reminded of the, of the, the brokenness of the world and ache and long for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. So it's a, it's a, it's a expression, a purpose of humbling ourselves before God. It's an, it's a, it's a, um, there's an expressing of concern for the work of God in the book of Nehemiah, um, which I love in Nehemiah and, um, I think Daniel here, they both express in, in their prayer, coupled with fasting, they, they put an emphasis on God who is great and awesome, who is, is loving and gracious, and, and they confess the sins of the people. So like they, they have this, this coupled prayer, this intensified prayer of God, this is who you are. You're faithful. You're awesome. You're mighty. And we have sinned against you. Um, ministering to others, Isaiah 58, read Isaiah 58 this week and read about Isaiah talking about God's chosen fast. He, he, God confronts through the prophet Isaiah, he confronts the Israelites for using fasting to do their own pleasure and to oppress, uh, the weak and, and the poor and, and fasting should be, it, it should be a, 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 something where we express where we minister to the needs of others, where we use missing meals to think about others who are inconvenienced and oppressed and struggling. And we do something about it instead of just continuing to eat our tasty meal. Overcoming temptation, um, Matthew chapter 4, expressing love and worship to God. Anna, the prophetess in Luke chapter 2 was it was a woman who dedicated herself to prayer and fasting and she got to meet Jesus baby Jesus she was there when Jesus was presented let me just share last a couple more quotes and then we'll finish with some application fasting is a physical exclamation point at the end of the sentences i need you i want you i long for you you are my treasure i want more of you 
Oh, for the day when you would return. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. The heart of, of it is longing. We are putting our stomach where our heart is, is to give added intensity and expressiveness to the ache for Jesus. We fast to express our longing for, our longing or our ache for all the implications of Jesus's power in the present moment that isn't completely realized. We want to see people healed. We want to see people saved. We want to see marriages redeemed. We ache and we long for this to happen. Therefore, we ask Jesus to come by putting this exclamation point of longing at the end of our desires. Come, Lord, show up. See, this is a powerful uh, tool and a weapon that we have that we can pull out. This is a, a habit of grace that I want us to aim together to incorporate into our lives this year. And hopefully this, this first three days will be a, a kickstart and, and, and help us engage in the habit of giving up food to feast on God. Amen. So here's a couple of points of application in closing. Ask God to show you how he might, how you, how you might, um, participate in our corporate fast. So over this next three days, we're going to open up the church. We're going to have prayer, extended times of prayer and live worship, prayer and worship going on from eight to one. And so you could just come right here in this room and you could lay down on the floor if you feel bad. If you got a headache from no caffeine or your body's going through uh, sugar withdrawals and all you could do is just lay there and say, God, I need you. That's okay. If you get tired, by the way, yeah, if you if you just do water, there's going to be some difficulty. But I tell you, it feels so good to detox and to, I have more energy after I do that. Like there's, there's just junk food that just toxin stuff that needs to get out of me. And through fasting, I feel more energy after a couple of days of getting rid of that stuff. Right. But I get tired. I get cranky. And so I, I got to, you know, we, you got to get sleep. Uh, you gotta get proper sleep. And if, if you need to take a nap, if you, I mean, if you're, now of course if you're working, I would not recommend that if, if you're on the job. Uh, they, and they don't let you have naps. Um, but make sure you're taking care of yourself. And, and just slow down. Embrace the weakness. You know, and it's really frustrating when you're giving up food and you start feeling weak. It's like, I got all this stuff to do. It's so frustrating. It's like, how, I, I don't have the energy to do it. I don't have the mental capacity to do it. I don't have the emotional capacity to do this right now. I just need to just get on my face and pray and listen to some worship and open the Bible. That's okay. If that's all, you know, it may not feel when you, if you haven't fasted before, when you first start fasting, it may not feel like it's a win for you. It may feel like this is terrible. Why am I doing this? Why does anybody do this? All it does is show me how bad of a sinner I am. How selfish I am and how much my appetites dominate my life. You know what? That's an opportunity there. That's a, when we're confronted with our frailty, when we're confronted with our sinfulness, when we're confronted with our lack of Christ likeness, take that as a win. And, and, and you may need to start small instead of, you know, trying to go three days. If you, if you're aiming to go three days with just water and you break it after a meal or two, then don't beat yourself up. I mean, it's not like God loves you any less. It's not, it's not like you can't 
fast the next meal if you break the fast, right? It's not like you, you can, you can incorporate this habit into your life and it doesn't have to be long periods of time. Actually, I think it's more effective if we do it more frequently with short periods of time. Just miss a meal or, or miss one day where you just go without food and you're gonna pray. I mean, the people that, that I respect most in the Christian life have practiced this, this, this particular spiritual discipline. The people who I've been discipled by, the people, the books that I read and the sermons that I listen to, the people who've made the greatest impact in my life and I think who are making the greatest impact in the world participate in this spiritual discipline we call fasting. So identify biblical purposes. I gave you 10 and in the email I sent those out as well. Identify some purposes for your fast and, and aim for it. If you're just, if you're, if you're fasting in a, you're coerced to fast, like, well, everybody else is doing it, I guess I'm gonna do it, then you're gonna have a miserable fast. If you're just doing it because everyone else is doing it, and this is what I'm supposed to do, this is a should be, this is, you're gonna have a miserable fast, you're gonna get irritated, you're gonna get mad at me, and you're gonna resent that I talked about it, and that I called us to fast, you're gonna be like, I hate this church, I'm never gonna fast, they're legalists! You know, you're going to get irritated with me. But fasting is an opportunity to die to yourself. I was thinking about it this morning. I was thinking about John the Baptist who lived a fasted lifestyle with locusts and wild honey out in the wilderness. This guy lived a fasted lifestyle. He was set apart for God. He, 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 he made space for God and he called others. He prepared the way for Jesus and he was ready when Jesus showed up. And he was pointing others to get ready for Jesus. And when his ministry started to diminish and Jesus' ministry started to take off and his disciples started to go over to Jesus' ministry, they left his church to go to Jesus' church, right? And, and, and things started to kind of go down for him and go up for Jesus. His response was, he must increase and I must decrease. This is the spirit of fasting. It's you and I saying, it's time for me to get out of the driver's seat. He must increase and I must decrease. And so we embrace the ache. We embrace the weakness. We surrender our agendas. We surrender our appetites. And we let God satisfy us with what truly satisfies us. Him. Him. We fast because we hunger for him, we go hungry for God. We, we give up physical meals because we hunger for God. It's for him. And that's why we're doing this. Is to make space in our lives for him. To, to engage in prayer. To feast on him. To, to have greater joy in him. To have our spiritual senses sharpened and heightened. And so lastly, set a time, set aside some time for prayer this week to read scripture, to pray and worship. Kevin, would you come on up? Now let me just say this too, because I know there's some people who have medical conditions and have concerns. There's a lot of people, I think, who have some fears and concerns about fasting. Um, you know, one, if you, if, if you have medical concerns, like consult your doctor and just make sure that, you know, that you're good. Um, diabetes or uh, if you have some kind of concern about you you may want to do a partial fast if you if you have some physical concerns like you you may want to do just give up 
sweets or um, or you may want to just do one meal a day. Um, and of course, giving up stuff like social media and TV, I highly recommend that as well during this time, just to create space for God. Those things that can spoil our appetites and distract us from God, those are great. Those are great to just say, God, I'm, I, I give these up to you because I, I want to create space for you in my life. Would you come and fill, fill me, fill my life with you? And so, again, let me just say that this is not our righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness. He's, he's the source of our righteousness. How well you and I engage and perform in, in a fast is not our righteousness. Okay? Jesus is. And our faith is in him, not in ourselves, in our ability to perform for God. But we hunger for him. We we long for him. How much do you want him to fill your life? How intense is your hunger and your longing? And so let's pray. Let's ask, let's bring these things to God in prayer. Some of you have some big things that you're asking God to show up for. Some of you have some loved ones that aren't walking with the Lord that you want to see God break in and save them and deliver them. And during this fast, you may, you may want to say, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus in on these particular loved ones who aren't walking with Jesus yet. You may have some health conditions that you need God to show up and, and deliver you from, or you may need guidance, or you may just be just, just at a, at a low point in your walk with the Lord and you just need revival and awakening. Maybe you're struggling with doubt. You just need God to strengthen your faith. And so what, whatever it is that, that, that God, that, that's on your heart, that God, that God has put on your heart to focus in on over these next, over this next week, just bring it before Him in prayer. Create space for Him. Let us draw near to God and He will draw near to us. And we draw near in faith. And don't beat yourself up if it's just baby steps. If it's just one meal or two meals or one day or partial fast. God is pleased when we draw near to him in faith. When we're, when we're looking to him and we're drawing near to him in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, Father, we want to be people of faith. We are. You've made us people of faith. And would you work in us and make us faithful? Would you energize us by your grace to implement and strengthen habits of grace in 2022? Help us to break bad habits, to confront them, to identify bad habits, confront them and renew our minds with the truth of scripture and say no to our, our sinful nature. Because we have a greater yes within us for you and your will and your kingdom and your righteousness. Increase our hunger and our longing for you. May it drive us and move us to make space for you. In Christ's name we pray.